Carnies, and welcome to our uh, Christmas episode. Joe, Merry Christmas. Shock, happy life day. <laughs> I mean, Merry Christmas. Uh, first of all, before we even get started, I want to say you're welcome, America. Yes. Uh, last week, Joe and I broke down on a sideshow our favorite Christmas songs. And I had my Mount Rushmore of Christmas songs, which included uh, Band-Aids, Do They Know It's Christmas?, Elvis is, you know, Blue Christmas. Uh, Blue Christmas. And then I had two other Christmas songs. Do you remember what those Christmas songs were? <laughs> those were uh, Baby, Come Home, It's Christmas. And, U2. Well, well, it was covered by U2. Well, but yeah, the U2's version of right. it. Right. And the um, Linus and Lucy song from the Peanuts. And so that posted a week ago Thursday. Yep. And then just... 48 hours later, the Foo Fighters on Saturday Night Live decided to do a medley. Oh, it's so great. Of two. Of, I mean, and, those and, two songs. and Joe sends me the link to this because um, I usually don't watch it. And he sent me the two links. It's like there are thousands and thousands of Christmas songs. And they picked those two. Out of the four that were on your Mount Rushmore. Right. So uh, there's no way the Foo Fighters didn't listen to the show <laughs> and, and then and the, and then played, you know, the YouTube version of, of Baby It's Christmas. And, uh, they didn't sing, by the way. They played, and they had the they, ba- they, had, they had three backup singers sing the lyrics to uh, "Baby Come Home." It's um, Christmas. So you're welcome, right. America. That's well, my Christmas present to uh, the Foo Fighters. That's their Christmas present to you. That's my Christmas present to the world. Right, and I'll, it opened with a a, um, a solo version of our intro of Everlong. One right. of my the, the best song, and of course, I can't think of Everlong now nope. without nope. thinking of the final episode of Late Night with David, uh, Late Show with David Letterman. And again, like you know that 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 whole that whole thing when he comes back from the heart attack. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't have to tell that story, but, but well, long story short, he said, uh, "There's a one thing I want to have." This is David Letterman speaking after the heart attack. Somebody asked him, "You know, what do you want to have?" Booker. His his producer, his Booker, says, um, "Which act do you want to have on your first show back?" And he says, "You know, I really love to have the Foo Fighters." And they go, "Okay, we'll give that a try." And they reach out to the Foo Fighters and they come back to David and they, and they tell David, um, uh, "You know what? They were on tour in Asia or South America." South America. And David goes, oh, darn, you know, I really would have liked to have him back. And the booker goes, oh, that's okay. They canceled the tour. <laughs> right. And then, of course, they did. And and do yourself or give yourself a Christmas present. Watch the Foo Fighters playing that. Playing Everlong on the and last And it's episode. like a oh. six, seven-minute version of it. Yeah, it's so beautiful and, because and then, it's it's like um, – it's kind of like I think I ta- I texted to Jacques when I after I saw it. It's the best song in the world being played to the best person's like highlights of his of his life. Right. I, I mean, and then they go into just the big rock ending kind of on a loop, and it's just a montage of twenty years of David Letterman awesomeness. Right. And there is a video out there that points out each and every guest, uh, like that's in that montage because it's like a flash, like every ten whoa, whoa. like frames. But it's a great thing, but we, uh, we digress. Christmas. But anyways, you're welcome for that. Uh, so every year, my mom has a huge Christmas party. Which I attended this year. You did, and thank you. Am no. I, am, is it crazy? No, it was your mother's crazy. No, but right. Yeah, okay. A couple things. Granted. Granted. And, and unless you're there, people, my F&H pals, some of them who have met my mom, like, you know, Biff and stuff have met my mom. I, I'm not the loudest person in my family. I'm the if fourth. My, if my cousin Debbie is there, depending on my bro- how how much my brother's drinking, not if my brother's drinking depends on the mood he's in. But I'm fourth on a good day. Some days, you know, I'm not. And um, you were right. I had my decibel meter app out, and <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even crack the top five. And so this this party's been going on since like eighty two, eighty three, eighty three, eighty four, when my mom and Gordon got together and they started having these joint. Um, these big Christmas parties, and my mom always goes over the top. If she thinks twenty people's coming, she cooks for forty. If she thinks forty people's coming, it's eighty. Um, there's usually a Santa visit. Were you there for Santa? I just missed Santa. Oh, I know. I saw Santa come in, but we had to leave because of the situation. Because you hate Christmas. I'm allergic to fun. Right. That's, um, and so it, it is. And there's lots of kids. There's always, you know, you know, and, and I don't, I don't know a good third to half the people there now. 
I'm bringing this up because this year I saw a Christmas miracle. I don't know if it's Christmas miracle, but I saw a great moment that will go down in history in the Christmas parties of my mom's. Do tell. Um, a former pod show guest, uh, Mike. Sideshow guest. Ha- uh, Sideshow guest. Haji, Sully, Mike. Um, I'm talking with his mom. I'm talking with our good friend Robert's mother-in-law, Arlene, another sideshow, you know, guest, and uh, and a friend of my mom since she was like four or five years old. And the, th- the three of us, well, the four of us are sitting by the side um, of the bar area, and all of a sudden, Mike's mom gets up and she runs four or five steps away. And the other three of us look at each other like, oh, who who came in? And Because she went over. And she runs over to Robert's, uh, 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 Robert's brother-in-law, who is Mike Sullivan's neighbor, you know, one of the th- kids who grew up right across the street from us. Uh, and she pantomimes something to him. He understands what's going on, does the Heimlich maneuver. She was choking. Oh, my God. Right. She was choking on, like, you know, uh, um, a shrimp went down the wrong way. Guess that's, that's why you stay away from the giant shrimp. But uh, but literally, shrimp went down the wrong way. I've never actually seen somebody have to have the Heimlich, you know, performed and stuff like that. Ooh. And and it was like, but we did. When she got up and she ran over there, we're like, oh, she must, you know, have seen somebody. Uh, and I will, I'll say again, it's like we moved to Wilmington in '74. There were four houses. In this little neighborhood. <clears throat> so you're talking, honestly, like 40-some years ago. And again, we had Robert on, who's, you know, Amy's husband. We had Mike. That neighborhood was still all together. All the, uh, we went you know, went to trivia because Mike did Star Wars trivia last week. Mm-hmm. And one of the kids who lived next to us, Mike, the other Mike, you know, showed up there. It was great. I mean, but that was the first time I've seen... That happened, you know, and I'm like, Barbara's very Catholic, very religious, and I kept saying, it's a Christmas, man, because right after she's okay, green light to start giving her shit about it, <laughs> like, like, and the thing is, everybody, you know, and of course, like, you know, uh, Mike's brother is Jack, who I coach hockey with, like our little seven-year-olds play hockey together, he's like, Eric, I'm not sure, you know, he's like, Eric, her insurance policy's paid up, what are you doing? You know? <laughs> I mean, all that kind of, I mean, just that that gallows humor that instantly kicks in. Like, hey, somebody we've loved our entire life almost died in front of us. She's okay. Let the shit begin. Right. And she deserved it. Because you can't eat, stupid. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Chew your food, Pibsy. Right. Way to eat, Chokey. <laughs> so, so... Um, what are you, the Pittsburgh Steelers? <laughs> oh, uh, Atlanta Falcons. Oh, right, right. Who, who are one of the best teams the first three quarters. Were you chanting 28-3 while she was getting the Heimlich yeah, maneuver? Really well, uh, the funny thing is, I, I think I said this, I could have done the Heimlich because... Uh, just the week before, when I went to see my cousin Jimmy's play in New York, we went to the Big Gay Ice Cream Store afterwards, and I call it that because it's named the Big Gay Ice Cream Store, and which on the wall was a uh, uh, an instruction on the Heimlich. Right, and you showed me the picture. It was B. Arthur giving the Heimlich to a unicorn. <laughs> like, <laughs> and was the unicorn puking up a rainbow? It was puking <laughs> up a rainbow. So, so, so that was my Christmas miracle. But so this is that's this beautiful. Is Christmas Day? Um, what are you doing here? Uh, you know, it, <laughs> I'm your Christmas miracle, uh, Santa uh, baby. baby. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so so. Joe and I were like just kicking back ideas. It's like we're not going to talk any any political stuff. It's just all good Christmas stuff. Christmas has always been my favorite holiday, and as a kid, I've loved it. And it's goofy to say what I love best about it is is and and seriously, I sound like I'm trying to be a Hallmark card. We had tons of family around. Um, we when we lived in Wilmington, we would eat. You know, my mom's sister lived down the street, who had three kids and her husband. But my grandparents would would make the big trek from Everett, <laughs> twenty minutes, twenty four minutes tops. If you don't make any of the lights, well, and four feet of snow. And it, but it was uh, it was always Christmas morning. We wake up and there'd be ten, twelve people at the house, and then we would either go to my cousin's house. One of, my mother was one of six, and like four of them lived within a 10-mile radius of each other. And we would be together Christmas Eve, get up, and they'd all be there Christmas morning. Yeah, that's wonderful. We had, um, you know, 
our, we had a more insular family. We most of my Christmases were spent uh, with my mother's side of the family. We weren't really that geographically close to my father's side of my family. And my father's side of my family, most of them didn't speak English. Well, I, I take that back. Most of his like brothers and sisters who came over from the Azores didn't learn to speak English. My father was, I think, literally the only one of his. He was like one of four. And he was the only one to have learned how to speak English. And he was the first one here from the Azores. But um, so we were never like... We would never like meet up with them on Christmas. We'd always meet up with my older sister and uh, my gra- my mother's mother's family at their place, and that was just like a triple decker, you know. Like one family lived on one floor, and then the other two kind of yeah. That's how it always. And these are the same people you spend Thanksgiving with, right? Loud smokers, right? Loud smokers. Close the fucking door. <laughs> Burned in my memory. Uh, I was not on, by the way, on the inside of that door when I was closing <laughs> it. <laughs> so, uh, I had so I growing up, I was really close with my cousin Mary. Like so, again, there was there was my my mom was one of six, and she was really close with her two sisters and one of her her two brothers, two of her three brothers. She was really close with one of them, kind of. Black sheep of the family. We'll leave it at that. Uh, but his daughters, who he had three daughters. So four of the six children had three kids, and and so there was very often that be the at least nine of the the grandkids around. And one of my cousins, my cousin Mary, her dad and them moved to Detroit, but they would come back almost every Christmas. And there was one. It was great. So. Um, my, my mom's, you know, married to, you know, my stepdad and I think his dad was with us, my brother, sister, and I, my uncle, his wife, their three kids and my grandparents at my mom and dad's house. My brother, sister, and I, our, our, our bedrooms were down the hallway. Mine was at the end of the hall and my brother and sister's doors faced each other. And so my grandparents were in one room, you know, there was like four or five people sleeping. Oh, and, and you know, our friend Ross, you know, and Ross's family would come up from Baltimore. So it was great. We, we spent 20 years with, with a, a family of gnomes, Jewish gnomes. <laughs> I mean, I, honestly, mom and dad, you know, uh, you know, Morton Sylvia. And so every time I make a, a Jewish joke, I'm always using the name Morton Sylvia because it's them and their voices were classic. I think they topped out about 5'11". Yeah. I mean, 4'11", wow. right, five. Right, like, right. right. They weren't little people. But they could be mistaken. They couldn't ride the big rides. (laughs) Thank you. Um, So we would have a house full of people. And Mary and I, you know, we would always sleep in the room. And uh, Mary and I were assholes. We're still assholes. One of the best things that we ever did, uh, this is pre-cell phones and stuff like this. Uh, So we're talking 84, 83, 84. Uh, We tied a rope in on my brother's door and my sister's door because they swung in. Right. And and so we're out having breakfast and my mom and dad had like it was it was a pretty long house. So we're on the other side of the house. And of course it's breakfast is loud and the eight, nine people not locked in the room are all having breakfast and they're all like nine, ten o'clock. Wow, they they Grammy Grammy must really be tired. And finally it was like my brother or one of my cousins had to drop them hang out the second story window, drop down, <laughs> walk around and come up the porch. And there's Mary and I just like, hey, when did uh, you get here? Uh, and then it's like, you look, and it was one of those things where I think my uncle was pretty pissed and my mom was pretty pissed, but they were also, that's pretty fucking hysterical. I was waiting for you to say, and then we banged on the door. <laughs> Fire! Fire! <laughs> Uh, it, it was great, you know. Now, of course, my my grandmother was uh, was mostly deaf, and my grandfather had polio, so he couldn't move around that much. So, yes, that's the kind of sh- the other thing that Mary and I used to do all the time. We would always be at my grandmother's house, and we stayed there all the time. We would turn the TV down and talk without making any noise and point at the TV and mimic laughing hysterically. And my poor grandmother would turn her hair and up. The damn thing's not working. And she would turn it up and then the phone would ring and it would like <laughs> blow out her hair. Drop. And Oh, she would. I mean, she was a tough broad. I mean, literally raised six kids by herself in a two room apartment. It was fucking tough as nails. Um, she could throw a punch even even in her late <laughs> 70s. Uh, the other great thing that Mary and I did one Christmas, uh, middle of the night, now there's 15, 16 people staying at the house. 
middle of the night, we got up and we changed the name tags on all the presents. I mean, let's say there's two to three presents per person. We changed tags on over 40 things. So oh here's my, my eight-year-old brother opening up a bra. Here's my <laughs> mom. I mean, and, and the thing is, like, we just, and again, everybody was kind of pissed at the same time they're laughing. Uh, only Trump by the year that we got up probably like 4 a.m., 3, 4 a.m. Now, how were we able to do this with so many people in the house? Um, the Gillis is drink. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, 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 you know, there, nobody in our family is alcoholic, uh, and they'll hit, you have to admit it. and they'll hit you with the bottle. They're downing if you say so. Uh, so it wasn't like we were quiet doing this. We had a, a back porch. We moved the entire Christmas tree and all the presents out on the back porch in the middle of the night. So everybody come out. The living room is empty, like everything under the tree, all the stuff on the mantle, and we rearranged the exact thing. Exactly the way it was on the back porch. Pre-punked, ladies and gentlemen. Pre-punked. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I mean, honestly, waking up, and even now, it's like, uh, this is this is the first Christmas that we're back here with the family. We've never been back here for Christmas. Yeah, and you have a new home now, so... Um, yeah, it's, it, it must be, it's kind of maybe a little bittersweet for you. No, it's great. I mean, well, and the fun thing is, you know... Um, where I grew up and we had, you know, Ross's Jewish family come up for Christmas, uh, management is still really, really close to the family. She worked for 20 years ago and in LA, those kids came out cause it, you know, they they, they went to public, you know, the public school, but they're Jewish kids. So the parents sent them out there almost every Christmas. So we were, I'm always used to waking up in a house full of people on Christmas. And it, it that is my favorite thing. And again, I know I sound like a, the big snowflake that I am, but it's absolutely awesome waking up with like you know a ton of people around but that's appropriate to be a snowflake on christmas <laughs> right. one day but um so we've touched upon your uh fantastic uh memories of christmas growing up uh, my christmas memories were kind of spotty mostly you know again i wasn't too close with my father's side of the family and i wasn't too close that much with my mother's side of the family they were just loud and i was just like this autistic little you know quiet guy who took everything seriously and didn't know how to behave around drunkards <laughs> and smokers but uh we did have fun i like the ball busting that we, we partake that was partaken in uh, throughout the the, the 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 meals and and stuff like that now you now i'm saying that and stuff like that i gotta st i don't want you to say and stuff like that and now i'm starting to say and stuff like that but um Maybe we could talk about our favorite uh, or most memorable presents growing up. I don't know how. Uh, honestly, you know, we, we, we grew up – it's one of those things. I, I Sometimes I say we didn't have a lot of stuff growing up. Some people would say we were poor. I, we didn't know, like like honest, honestly. Um, well, you love to not know. I love to not know. Uh, somehow, some way uh, – gosh, I was – Eight or nine, ten, maybe. My sister bought me a bike for Christmas. And so she's less than a year older than me. We're, we're Irish twins. Um, but when I was 10, I was going, I, I was, I was, I was an appropriate 10 for like the late 70s, you know, a 10-year-old unsupervised boy. My sister was 11 going on 25. Uh, <laughs> she was honestly babysitting. On a regular basis, um, I had a newspaper route and stuff like that, and you know, I the money was always like the ten bucks, twelve bucks I made a week was spent before I got it type thing. Usually on like subscriptions to Hockey Digest, which mm -hmm. was a real magazine. Yep. Uh, she saved up and bought me a bike. And to this day, I have no idea. And it wasn't like my mom helped her out. My mom couldn't help her. You know, she bought me a bike, and I will never forget, like, that. How the fuck did she pull that off? One quarter at a time. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> You are an awful human being. <laughs> but... <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry, man. Do I suck? I'm gonna no, get a lump, I'm gonna get three lumps of coal in my that's up my great. ass this well, what Christmas. What about you? You you have a, a great um the most memorable present? I honestly, I don't know why this sticks out in my mind so much, and it's not really like the best present. But for me, it was for me, it was a um a Radio Shack <clears throat> Color Computer Three. It was like this plug and play keyboard slash computer where you'd plug it into your TV. It didn't even come with a monitor. Like it wasn't I know those, yeah. It wasn't yeah. IBM compatible. It came with this uh 
software called Basic, where you would have to literally write your own programs if you wanted to have fun. But you also, if you wanted to play games, you could have a disk drive. Didn't have the disk drive, therefore I could not save the data on which I, you know. So oh. I, would, but I learned. I learned. Um, I used it. It came with a manual, and I learned how to do basic like programming, and I kind of got good at it, you know. And unfortunately, I didn't translate that to other more applicable coding nowadays, like C and you know uh, HTML, all that stuff, the JavaScript, the things that you know propelled. Um, the uh, the world into the future. I, I I stopped. I stopped at basic, but I remember like getting that little present in it, and like it it made me um, more fond of computers. Cause and my 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 father was an old school Portuguese guy, but he knew that I was like technically kind of savvy, a nerd, if you will. That he you know he tried to throw me a baseball once, and you know I ducked. DSS came in and said, "Why is this lump on the head?" <laughs> so. Um, so yeah, they, they my mother got me a computer one Christmas, and then you know like two years later or three years later, I got another same similar computer. But um, that's what I th- that's the present I remember the most. I remember when my sister got a Cabbage Patch Kid. That was a big deal. But this was like eighty seven, you know, so it was like past the eighty four, you know, height. High cr- yeah. Um, I and again, it, one of the other amazing presents like that changed my life. Uh, my brother and sister. 84, 85, got me um, rollerblades, pre-rollerblade rollerblades that, that only had two wheels, like one in the front and one in the back, that you could only get out of, uh, again, set like things like Hockey Digest that they had to order. Um, and when I say I was an okay hockey player at that age, you know, I, I started to get okay. I, I, I noticed I'd never said good. <laughs> I will never say good. Uh-huh. But I got a thousand times better because I lived on those things. I mean – uh, over the next f- 10 years, I lived at what, what is the hardest thing about uh, rollerblading at the beach in California wearing a tank top? Uh, trying to beat off all the guys hitting on you? <laughs> Not the sand. It's telling your parents you're gay. Right. Anyways, but they, um, but I did. I mean, that was my mode of transportation. Like my senior year of college, like I had to uh, take the train into to the back bay and it was about a half a mile rather to, I would get there in seconds because I rollerbladed everywhere. I, I I had two two summers I worked at MIT, subletted in Alston, and it was it was one of the fucking coolest things in the world at like five thirty in the morning to be able to like we lived on a huge hill. You could basically coast the whole way to MIT from Alston. No helmets, no knee pads, no, no elbow pads. No, but I couldn't. I still even even when I go public skating, I. I'm always on the cusp of falling down because I do not know how to skate without holding a glove and a stick. But I, I would. I would stick handle absolutely everywhere. And it's like uh, even when I got out to L.A. in like 95, car died on the way out there. And, you know, I, I stayed with a buddy. Office was like six, seven miles away. That's how I got back and forth to work every day. And people were like, oh, I can't believe you do that. I'm like – it's awesome. Like, like I really, really love, and it all because my brother said. And when I first got it, like nobody had seen these things. It like it was really, really. It was like, you know, I'm not cool enough to be ahead of the curve. But that was probably the gift that had the biggest impact on me. Were there any gifts that you can remember asking? Well, I guess maybe not because you were poor and didn't know it. But were there any gifts that you kind of asked for or wanted that didn't come your way? I, I really don't believe so. Because yeah. I mean, we. The and honestly, even at seven, eight, nine, absolutely anything we got was a shock and a surprise. And you know, I still have no idea how my mom did it. Like we would get Bruins tickets, and and now the old garden, you know, had a fourth balcony up in the. It was always had the three balconies everyone knows about, but in the corners they had. Uh, one section in each corner with maybe 30 seats. It was like a fourth balcony kind of type thing. And you were right on the air, um, the ducks. Yeah. And you could pound the living shit. And those were like eight bucks. But still, to get those was and, – and again, the old garden, like you know, like Biff and, and, and some of the other people who are listening who've been to some of the older barns. You're looking straight down. You might have been the way they were built with the obstructions and stuff like that. You're four balcony, you're four levels up, but you are closer to the ice now than you are in some rinks, you know, where it's the bowl shaped things that go back. Um, I have no idea how my mom was able able to afford those. And again, we're only talking, they were like eight bucks, but every year we got 
one Bruins ticket. You know, we we went to a game and stuff like that. Yeah, maybe they would, she probably saved for Christmas. Right. No, I not mean, like us millennials. She now. she she always had you know she always had a, a full time job and a part time job, and then around Christmas, like there was a you know this is like like uh, like a pre Uber type thing, but like they had these um uh, like shuttle things from the suburbs to the airport. She would do these. She would work three jobs, and 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 that's the God's honest truth. And it's like so we didn't expect anything and everything we got was like absolutely jaw-dropping and awesome yeah <clears throat> so now we're the gift givers of our families um and that and that it, and i've always always loved christmas but since having kids it's a thousand times better yeah it's always better to give than to receive I wouldn't. Have, I wouldn't have believed that before. You know. Uh, Do you perform any Christmas miracles for your kids, or were there past Christmas miracles or surprises that you sprung well, I, on them? I, I've, I've talked about this before. So, um, you know, management always wants to go overboard, and I will say again. Um, I've said in my parenting tips of the week. Uh, I wish somebody had told me this like 10 years ago. Don't do shit for your kids till they're old enough to remember it. You know, you spend two grand taking them to Disney. They have the most amazing time of their life. You ask them three weeks later, wasn't that trip to Disney great? We've never gone to Disney. Yeah. And you just want to slap the shit out of them. And it's like, you can't. So you got to hit them with a phone book because it's a ply print. <laughs> I mean, right. anyways. Uh, but but so one, one of the... Uh, Keeping with the pranks thing. So my little guy, he was like, you know, two, three when I started this. And I did it for like three years. She'd be buying him 10 things to open. Open gift one. Oh, my God, this is great. Oh, yeah, yeah, I want to play with this. Well, here, open this. Oh, this is great. This is great. By the time they get to the fourth one, they so desperately want to play with the second gift or the third gift. And now it's work. And they can only play with one, two toys at a time. And so what I did, it was like the second year, I rounded up a bunch of toys of his about a week before, like his favorite toys, his favorite lightsaber, his favorite Imagine X things. I would put it in a big box and he would pick it up and rattle. And I remember her looking at me like, what did you get him? What did you get him? And the look of his face of absolute joy, ecstatic <laughs> of seeing the toys that he already had that he loved to play with. And she would get so mad. And the second year I did it, she got really mad. And I, I still do that kind of stuff. Um, but it is, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's giving stuff like that, that, that is, is great. Yep. Um, yeah, I like uh, I like giving gifts to my kids, and of course my wife, who I of course bought a present for, and I'm not just lying that I <laughs> I'm not running wait. out right after this to the Seven <laughs> Eleven. <laughs> wow, Mister Daddy Warbucks over there, Seven Eleven. Well, I was going to go down to Woolworths, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's um, what I was thinking. So, um, yeah, I guess. What are the other uh, Christmas memories that you can think of? Well, so this, so like I said, so like, you know, um, and, and this is where I sound like such a dick. Uh, so we've had all the Christmases in, in LA and the last couple of years we were eating, like two years ago, we were in Qatar for Christmas and that was, that was interesting and that was really great. Um, and last year we went to Dubai for Christmas because we lived in Qatar, we went to Legoland, but this is the first time since we've had kids. So over 10 years that I've been back and I've never been back for Christmas. And it's really funny because my mom's like, Oh, we go over to, they go over to my sister's house every year for like a late breakfast and then they do my sister has two kids and they're there for a few hours and then they go five houses over and have dinner at my brother's house and they're like oh what are you guys going to do it's like uh, not that <laughs> <laughs> and i don't mean that in a bad way but it's like um okay so i won't make sure that that the little guys listen to this but um unbeknownst to them and you know like we joe said we just got a new house we have a little shed in the backyard where you put the lawnmower and all that stuff. And the people had, I think it was going to be like a woodworking shop, like a small little hobby shop for like the guy who used to live there that had the beams there, but it was completely unfinished. Uh, we just put in a floor. Um, we're making a mini house out of it. So, um, so on Christmas morning, the little guys switch like the new Nintendo Switch and mm. that little room and the, a ladder for like I – mean, when I say it's a loft, I mean the little guy can fit up there and he can sit up in it, but he can't move around or stand up or play. But he likes – he lives in a box. Like he, yeah. he, his favorite – I sleep in a drawer. Seriously, he, he like – 
You know, if we told him this walk-in closet is your room, he'd be like, I can't afford this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's fantastic. I wish I had one of those. Can you build me one? Well, and the thing is, everybody who knows me knows um, I I truly need to sit down with uh, a manual not not the porn star Emmanuel, ah. uh, um, or the shortstop for the Cincinnati Cardinals, <laughs> and uh, for a hammer and nails. How does how I hit this with this? No, I hit this this end, this end. I hit, but so it's uh, it's great because it's me and my dad, you know, doing it together. So it's fun. I'm spending time with him doing it, um, but it, it's great that I'm actually doing it. I, we didn't hire somebody to come in and do it, yeah. um, and it, it it is. It's it's something, and, and I keep being out there. You know, it's like my dad and I are working out there like a couple of days ago. And it's like twenty some degrees, and I'm like, I didn't have a dad when I was ten, <laughs> let alone. I, I mean, I can't even imagine digging up my dad and asking, "Hey, what are the chances of you having me build a little shit so I can come out here and play video games?" Right, brings a tear to your eye. Um, but it is that 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 I'm re- I'm 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 giddy. I'm literally, and the thing is, it's tough because. My dad has to come over after I drop them off at school, and then we can only work till I have to go pick them up. So we have these small windows, so they have no idea what's going on. Yep. So um, while I'm spinning my wheels here trying to think of things to talk about for Christmas, because, you know, aside from giving and getting presents, that's about the end of it for Christmas for me. I I don't have a big family. We don't even know where we're going to be celebrating Christmas this year, whether it's just going to be us four, if we're going to, you know, my niece moved to a new house, we may be going there. But, um, so I'm trying to think of things Christmassy that we could talk about. And I don't know. This is a topic. Maybe I'll edit out. Um, it's a little social experiment, maybe. Um, I want to see if if I pl- – you tell me a, a Christmas moment on television, you know, film that instantly brings a tear to your eye. Like you'll have to like – you know, you'll have to like step away from the microphone. Like what is that scene? You, you, I want to see if I can make you cry. And you, same with me. You've already done it. When you that, – that, that speech that George Bailey gives that you did a couple weeks ago where – you know, uh, uh, they're going to close the savings and loan because his dad passed away. And there's Mr. Potter trying to convince the board that it's it's not necessary. And and the fact that he's served his time, that, you know, he he's given it all. He sacrificed everything. And this is George's chance to go and see the world. And he gives that impassioned speech about, you know, the little guy and what's wrong with having a roof or it doesn't make him a a better people. I'm not going to try to do it, but that whole and and just just the thing where, you know, uh, and then again, at the end of the movie where where he sees that the world is a better as much as he's in a fucked situation right now and fucked and nothing's gone his way. um, It's better to to have gone through what he did. But then when all those people are coming in there and, you know, he gets a telegram from Sam Wainwright, you know, it's from London. Oh, Uh, Uh, right. Uh, Yeah. Merry Christmas. Uh, But but all the other people just coming in and it's just like, I don't have a house without you. And this isn't a lot, but anything i can do to help and again like what's that 46 47 48 that you know and no matter how many times i see it it will always 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 get me and and so in in the spirit of christmas i'm going to play that like this there's four moments in in it's wonderful life that i'm I'm trying to think if there are literally four moments but there's the one where at the beginning of the movie where um it's a teenaged George Bailey and he's working in Mr. Gower's. Oh, right. And she leans over and she goes, George Bailey, is this the year you can't hear out of? I'll love you till the day I die. And I'm like, it does. And, 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 and while you're talking about that, let's just talk the whole movie. Um, <laughs> you know, w- w- when Mr. Gower gives the wrong medication oh, and yes. George knows. And, and the thing is, he beats the shit out of him. Yes. He, he doesn't yell at him. He's drunk. He doesn't hit him he's once. He's grieving and drunk. He literally, because he just got a telegram that his son died yeah. and he's not paying attention and he sends the wrong medicine to the kid's house. The parents call and says, hey, the medicine never showed up. And George is going back there to tell him, hey, I know you're really sad. He beats the fuck out of him yes and then as soon as the mr gower realizes what he does right it's like it's poison i tell you it's poison and then he, like, he licks the uh the powder and he like starts to go near him again and, and, and then he, oh, don't hit my sorrier my sorrier no, no 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 george george and you know he, he closes by saying i won't tell a soul ever i, I 
I mean, literally. I mean, uh. since George was like, I, I mean, he's he's a working kid. But yeah, when when she says that to him, I'm going to love you to the day uh, I die. Yeah. Then there's the uh, <laughs> then there's the moment when um, he's on the phone with Sam Wainwright and he's uh, pitching. You know, he's at um, he's at Mary's house and his mother is up there listening on the extension while Sam Wainwright is talking to Mary and she brings he he asks for George to get on the phone and he She doesn't want to talk to George? Right, you fool. Um and then, because it, Sam Wainwright is in New York and is doing really well. Right, he's the he's the the the, the knight in shining armor that's supposed to be sweeping Mary off her feet. So uh, Sam Wainwright asks Mary and George if they have any money to put into, you know, soy uh, for plastics. And, um, he's like, he's kind of at the, he's at the breaking point. Like he, he, he's just got fucked out of going back to college and, 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 and he, he's, he's just at odds with himself, George is. And so he drops the phone and he goes, now you listen to me. I don't want any plastics and I don't want any ground floors and I don't want to get married to anyone ever. You understand me? I want to do what I want to do. And you're, and you're, oh, George, George. And they start kissing and becoming all lovey-dovey. Yeah, right. Yeah, that, that, that gets me too. And then, of course, this moment um, that I'm going to play for us now. And then, you know, I'm probably going to edit my weeping out of this. This is the, 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 the end uh, sequence <clears throat> when George Bailey finds out that, in fact, it is a wonderful life. And um, everybody uh, gets their redemption, and um, and then there, uh, uh, there's a there's a little message from Clarence at the end that uh, that touches the heartstrings. Let's let's have a listen, if I can, if I know how to work this. There's the bank examiner, the, the, uh, the detective with the, with the summons. Yep, rips it up. There's Ernie Bishop, you know, the man who sits, sits on, on his brains. There's Houston. Oh, you asshole. <laughs> The fool flew all the way up here in a blizzard. Oh, Harry, how about your banquet in New York? Oh, I left right in the middle of it. As soon as I got Mary's telegram. Good idea, Ernie. A toast <laughs> to my big brother, George, the richest man in town. <laughs> Dear George, remember, no man is a failure who has friends. Thanks for the wings, love, friends. What's that? That's a Christmas present from a very dear friend of mine. Look, Daddy, teacher says every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. That's right. That's right. That's right. Atta boy, Clarence. That pretty much sums every sums up every Christmas. Yeah, Mr. Gowers. Though. Is that where your love of the accordion came from? <laughs> yeah, right. he had the accordion on him. But it was funny. The biggest criticism of this movie culturally is that Mr. Potter never gets his comeuppance. And I argue that maybe he did, in a way, get his comeuppance because George Bailey was declared by the town to be the richest man in town. Right. Uh, savings and loan was still limping by, but it was limping Building by. and loan. Building and loan. Um, yeah, no, there was a great Saturday Night Live skit where, like, at the end of this, he's like, hey, let's go get Old Man Potter. The old, the alternate ending? Right. Yeah, and then <laughs> Dana Carvey is Jimmy Stewart, and then he, uh, he, he approaches... Uh, what was it, John Lovitz as Mr. Potter, and then he's just like body slamming him, and he's like a, you can tell it's a dummy that he's just like you know doing like a full Nelson's on. Oh, but that's great. Oh uh, yeah. But I, I have this is my first Christmas back. Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, doing this podcast with you has been nothing but Christmas each and every week, twice a week. Yes. Um, you know, we're only about forty minutes into the <laughs> podcast. Uh, we could do you know maybe some typical. 
like podcasty things. Sure. Maybe we should cut to a defunct sponsor. Why not? Let's do that. This is a special Christmas defunct sponsor of the week. Grab your gift list and hurry into Circuit City's holiday sale. Save on this GE forehead VCR with on-screen programming. Now just $299. And this JVC portable stereo system, now an incredible $48. The holiday sale, going on now at Circuit City. The intelligent choice for Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. All right. Now I can pay for that shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, okay. So, uh, we went to some normal stuff. Um, but first, so so let's talk uh, a, a couple video games before we do a review. Are you getting any games? Um, I I'm getting games for Christmas that um, you know I can announce here because it's Christmas, it's Christmas. and my kids don't listen and it doesn't matter. Um, by the way, thank you for getting my son for his birthday, Splatoon Two. When when I went to pick that up, the guy GameStop's like, "Oh, you know, you got two of these." Yes, I know I have two of them because <laughs> it was because what usually happens breaking down the fourth wall. And we've talked about before, Joe's oldest son is my kid's piano teacher. So they come over here, they do a piano lesson, and then while Joe and I are down here making you people laugh and, and, and dropping some knowledge, uh, they sit up there and play games. Yep. So you, in your infinite wisdom, decided that, hey, since I'm giving my son a Switch for Christmas, why don't I get him that game that you can play online with my younger son? So you decided to give sort of a preemptive strike you right. give him Splatoon 2 for his birthday which was a couple of weeks ago and then when you give your son Splatoon 2 for Christmas it'll all come full circle what else so we we, we got Odyssey mm-hmm. Splatoon 2 this is for, for Switch the dance one Just Dance uh, the, 2017 they love that stuff um it's a game that my mom is technically getting for them. She's like, oh, go get him a game that I can give him because she hates that they play game. But, well, at least they're dancing and moving. Right. The- at least- no, no, no. You got it all wrong. At least they're dancing and moving. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but then from what I'm getting my kids is um, I'm getting uh, my older son um, Injustice 2. For PS4. Gods Among Us. Yes. I think it's good. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, what put me over the top was that the new DLC includes the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which is just rad. Um, I'm getting myself, because I'm a greedy I'm a greedy little duck, the uh, uh, Wolfenstein 2. It's that, um, right. that Nazi killing fest. It takes place in the 60s in an alternate universe. It's like kind of like robotic Nazi machinery. Um, just good old good old fashioned fun. Where, where, where does it take place? Where does a battle actually take place? I think it's Charlottesville. A- where, where <laughs> there is no Charlotte Pottersville. <laughs> <laughs> so don't you think I know what I li- where I live? Um, yeah, we're gonna get um, a couple of games. Um, what else are we gonna get? I, honestly, there's oh, there's a couple of like DS games I'm getting from my younger son. Um, my older son's not really like asking for a whole lot. And he's got a couple of things we, we were taking care of. But game-wise, I mean, I think, look around. I think we're all set. Right. Well, that's well, that's the thing. And my mom's like, oh, or, or management is like, well, we got to get him some other stuff. I'm like, no, he can only he only plays the games on the weekends. Um, So, I mean, how long is he going to play Split? I mean, he still lives for Overwatch. I mean, Odyssey is the other game. I mean, Odyssey, he will, he, he and his brother will play Odyssey every week. And then he'll run out. And, because, then, and yeah. then they got, but if, if, if your little guy's online and they're playing Splatoon together or against each other, you know, they just dance. Oh, the other one is like the hockey one, which, yeah. yeah, I mean, neither one of my kids really like it, but my niece and nephews love it. And yeah. my mom, who takes care of them a couple times a week, cannot believe. She, she walked in the other day and she's like, is this a Bruins? And she didn't realize for the first couple minutes they were playing a game. She thought it was a highlight thing. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that, no, technology has come so far. Uh, while we're talking about games, uh, I saw Robert at the Christmas party who told me about a place in Rhode Island that I think would be road tripping to called mm. Free Free Play. Okay, it's a new bar restaurant, like basically, a it's, yeah, ten bucks to get in, but it's all free play, everything free play. That's great. I, I mean, they make their money on on the booze and, and food and stuff like that. But and and he showed me the list of games. I mean, they have like over a hundred games. Fantastic. Yeah, I, I can't wait to go there. Um, and live there. <laughs> See, they have a place for rent. 
So, so today is Christmas, which yep. means yesterday the Patriots beat the Buffalo Bills. Oh, yeah. Uh, what is your lock of last week? Or are we my, building up to My that? lock of last week will be 31-14 Patriots. Um, you know, there, there's a, there's a, so, some, some uh, hard feelings going on over at uh, One Patriot Place this week. Um, Alex Guerrero... Uh, Brady's guru that we've talked about at length, the guy who's uh, been in trouble with his cancer water, with his um, concussion water and stuff like this, who is not a trainer. He's not a doctor. Well, he's a trainer. Um, he's into the plyometrics things and all this stuff. And about half the Patriots go to him outside of Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. He has the TB12 places. There's a few of them around, you know, the Boston area, which Celtics and Bruins and a lot of people are going to this alternative training style, but there's become an issue where just this week, or I guess a couple weeks ago, they revoked his sideline privileges and they have said only Tom can be um, go for him at treatment on the facilities that they want the other because I nobody really knows why the story, a lot of it is um, that he's um, undermining the training staff. There's a whole staff of people like their strength and conditioning trainer with the Patriots has been here since 2002. I think his track record is pretty great, you know? Um, but of course, Brady says, I'm only playing this well at 40 because of him. I need him around. And it's one of those things. It's like Brady's having, he's he's right now like one of the two, three MVP candidates. And he's 40. You know, and now, of course, because this came out, it's like, oh, well, he has a special doctor. It's like nobody at 40 gets better. And and the national media is trying. They're trying to say, oh, he must be on PEDs now and stuff like that. This guy isn't uh, like Pedro's lucky charm little person. No. Well, that's the whole that's the whole thing. I mean, you you think with with PEDs and stuff like that, they're tested all the time, which, you know, I was joking about this with, with the other day. The people at the NFL, there's 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 people at the NFL whose job is to watch players pee like that how does how do you post that Lucky. skill on a linkedin profile you know that because they have to make sure that they're not tampering and stuff you know with the scrutiny that the patriots are on and tom brady's on and the uh the lack of uh the lack of goodwill between him and goodell and stuff like that if he was on anything but aspirin you know what i mean uh-huh. we know about it but anyway but the point is it's like you know, Brady's had some cryptic things, but, you know, um, posts in the past couple of weeks. But today, Belichick, or this past week, Belichick was asked about it. It's like, hey, Tom Brady was asked about it. Neither one, of, co- of course, you know, will comment on it. Um, Did you want to talk about, so for lock of last week, 31-14 Patriots. And nobody went after Gronkowski, which that's the big thing because he got the suspension two weeks ago for elbowing the guy in the back of the head who was already on the ground, complete douchebag move. Um, and the bills and especially him, the guy's name is white was like the whole hoods after him, but Buffalo is in a playoff hunt. So they, if this was one of those games where the bills were four and 12 and the Patriots were 11 and three. Yeah. Gronk is in bubble wrap up in the box with the Kraft family watching the game. Do you want to talk about that controversial call at the end of the Pittsburgh game? It's not a controversial call. It was the right call. It's a crappy rule. Right. Um, it's kind of, it's kind of like the tuck rule or right. something of that but, nature. But that rule itself has been called 14 times this year. And it it's not if if a running back fumbles the ball anywhere on the field, yep. and it goes out of bounds, you keep the ball. If a quarterback does a quarterback sneak and just breaks the plane with the end zone and has the ball knocked out of his hands, and the other team recovers. It's still a touchdown. Because you've broken the plane and the ball is dead. But if a if a receiver, receiver is making a catch, there's a third there's a little component which is basically you have to complete the catch. You right. have to follow through to through the catch through completion. Through to the ground. Yeah. And, and, and right, you have to survive the ground. Survive the, and the thing is, was it a catch? Of course it was. Yes. Of course it was. <laughs> it was such a catch. I I I mean it, it, it's the same thing. It's like and 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 the fact that the Patriots were the benefit of this, the fact that it happened against the Steelers, who last two years ago had the meltdown with the headphones not working at Gillette, 
the Steelers fans are convinced more than anybody that fixes in that they that the Pittsburgh Steelers have won five or six Super Bowls in this era if it wasn't for the uh, the Cheatriots. Right. Well, quick question. So, regardless of whether so say the ball say the ball was um, not say the catch was not in the end zone say it happened on the five yard line right is that an incomplete pass i i think it's a catch so that you that's ruled a catch you I, think that I, should I, be ruled a complete pass well the thing is he he boggled the ball as he hits the ground so right. so it, but he wasn't touched you know so but the thing is if because it happened there he didn't because the same thing happened um, what's confusing to me is about is i always thought that as soon as the ball crossed the plane right it was a dead ball. Like you, you, you cross the plane. The ball is over the white line, just like even by a hair. The ball is dead. If the ball is in control at that moment in time, it's ruled a catch. Not so. No, and and and, and that was the Jets game earlier this year where the receiver is, at, you know, catches it, and as he's diving for the pylon, he it looks like he's throwing the ball from the left hand to the right hand so he can touch the pylon. But as it hits the pylon, it's t- for a millisecond, it's not in his hand. And as it hits the pylon and his body hits a pylon and they go out of bounds, it, you know, if it was in one hand and it didn't move in his hand, yep. that's a touchdown. But, and, and this is this is where it fucks you up really bad. This is where it really fucks you up. Because the same thing happened in the game right after the Patriots game, the Sunday night game um, between, the, and, and this is why Dallas won. The, uh, the, the Raiders are going to score. And the quarterback, you know, d- does a sweep. And he's diving for the pylon, and he fumbles the ball as he's about to hit the pylon, and the ball bounces in the end zone and bounces out of the end zone. Now, if if the ball had bounced out at the one foot line, what happens? It o- would. Oakland keeps the ball, yeah. and it's a fumble. Yeah. Because it because it fumbled out of the end zone, it's a touchback, and Dallas gets the ball at the twenty. Oh yeah! Wow. Because yeah, so if you fumble it out of the end zone. It's it it's a change of possession and the other team gets it at twenty. If he had fumbled it one foot before where he did, you know, it's now it's first and goal from the one foot line. Yep. But because you know he, it fumbled it and the ball went forward and it went out of the end zone, they go from scoring the winning touchdown to Dallas getting the ball and taking a knee to end the game. Wow. Uh, and so yeah, so people are like upset about the rule. Because it, a it's it's a difficult rule, but it benefited the Patriots twice this season. So this is how many examples would you say of the rules where a, a catch is a catch, you know? But there are all these like last few years, yeah, right, no, right? There are there are so many of these calls that just sort of pop up, and every year they have to reread the, these rules. The same play happened two years ago, uh, you know. Dallas won a playoff game against the Lions on almost the same exact call, and it was a bullshit call. Uh, Megatron, you know, their big receiver, came down with it, and then the ben, the the Dallas Cowboys were a beneficiary of it. I think that was Romo's only or one of only two playoff wins Romo had in his career. And, but then. Justice being what it is, the next week Dallas lost on almost the exact same play. And if you look up the Des Bryant catch, no catch, it's like your football eyes tell you that's a catch. Yeah. Like nobody sees that who's ever played, you know, catch in the backyard with their dad at age four <laughs> to, you know, Bill Belichick looks at that and and your eyes tell you it's a catch. And, and, and it's the same thing. I, I'm looking at that, that and I'm furious because I'm like, Fuck the Patriots when they scored their touchdown, they left fifty six seconds on the clock, and it's like if Dion if, if they didn't score on the you know they were first and first and ten from the twelve, and you know Lewis runs it in for a touchdown. I'm like, damn it, get tackled on the one, but you don't want to get cute there. But but when they gave him fifty six seconds, and now they're reviewing the play. And it's like, oh God, there's 28 seconds left. The Patriots have one timeout, you know, and I, the math. you know, but then because because. They show you two or three things, and it's like, okay, where were are they? Are they wondering if he was down before? But when his knee and elbow hit the ground, nobody touched him. So yeah, I'm like, he wasn't down by contact. But he's not down. Um, but here's the here's the difference, and why the Patriots are the Patriots, and the Steelers are the Steelers, and every other team is every other team. And I mean this. Uh, 
when that happened with the Jets game, instantly the cornerbacks start pointing to the ref that he boggled the ball as it hit the goal thing. They knew the rule. When you look at the you film or, or you go back, uh, the Steelers coach, this, this is almost a four-and-a-half-minute review. So obviously it's gone to New York where they're going to make the final call. Um, he's watching – He's watching the replay the whole time. And if you're the Patriots, and I'm not saying this because I'm a hack and I I love the Patriots, but we know enough about the Patriots. Within 10 seconds, they're going to be saying, okay, they're taking a real good look at this. If it's not a catch, it is second down. We're at the two-yard line. We have one timeout. There's at this point 40 seconds, 30-some seconds left. All right, Tom. This is the play we're calling. If you get to the line and they're in this formation, audible to X or Y. If we run it and we don't make it in, the next play we're going to spike it or the next play we're going to fake spike it and do this. The next play we're going to or, – or, or they're going to go to the line with two or three scenarios for that play because they got a four-minute timeout to figure it out. And then depending on what happens on that play, they're going to get right up into the next play. And the Patriots do this all the time where they're like, okay, they're going to punt it, and everybody runs off the field. The punt unit comes on, and then everybody runs off the field, and Tom Brady runs back. Yeah, and right. we, you know How many times have you seen them do that? Other teams were worried about So then in the and, and so what ends up happening, the Steelers run the ball, which was stupid. Did they run the ball? At the fir- was the first? The, the first play oh. was a run the ball okay. after this. Right. He on, burns on, the time on, on the clock. second die, which, okay, you're going to score and leave the Patriots no time. I get that. But then when they were stopped, now it's third down. You know what I mean? And, and now they have, to, uh, they have to burn their time out there. And then it's like they're going to do the fake spike type thing. Or at that point, they they don't they don't have the timeout. They're going to do this fake spike, um, but the only person who th- th- knew it was going to be a fake spike is Ben Roethlisberger, who in the post game thing picked up his offensive coordinator and threw him under the bus and said, "Oh, I want to fake spike, but they're telling me in the helmet, no, no, we're going to fake it, and I didn't want to." It's like, well, you're the one with the ball in your hand, yeah, <laughs> you right. know? Okay, if they told you to throw it and the guys triple covered then maybe somebody in the 19th role gets a silver for christmas you know uh but of course he tries to throw it it gets intercepted but that's the kind of thing they got fucked by a bad play uh, they got fucked by a bad rule but then they made a bad situation worse by not coming out of the timeout knowing what they were going to do the patriots and, and again did the Patriots win the game? Did the Steelers lose the game? Because at the very least, if they don't get interceptive, Ben throws that ball away. Instead of forcing in, they kick it, they play for overtime. And that's what Ben says he wants to do. And even the coach was asked this week about, like, why didn't you do X, Y, and C? It's like, well, we weren't sure what they were going to rule. Well, you have to prepare for contingencies. Yeah. <laughs> you know, There's I only mean, two ways it's going to be complete or incomplete. A touchdown or not a touchdown. And if it's if it's not a touchdown, it's second down from this thing. Go. Where's your back? Yeah, what's your plans? And, and, what you, what's your backup, what, what, what's plan? backup plan? And and so I mean that's one of the things. It's like you know there was a I think it was either the Wall Street Journal or like it might have been GQ. It wasn't a football thing. Had a big article on Belichick a couple of years ago, and it wasn't a glowing piece about him. It was a hey, this guy's fucked up. And they talked to all ex players and current players. You'll be walking down the hallway. You. They just got you off waivers. You've been on the team less than two weeks. You're on the practice squad. And Belichick will stop you in the hallway and say, hey, if this person goes down and practice tomorrow and you're on the squad, who are you lined up against? You know, if you're a nose tackle, who's the guard you're going up against? And does he pull left or does he pull right? Where did he go to college? What are his tendencies? He gets hurt in the first play. Who's his backup on the team? And and you're expected. You are expected to know all of these things about teams, about their tendencies, about, um, you know, is a quarterback, you know, is a kicker. I mean, you know, the, the, the Patriots kicker is left-footed. And, you know, it's like a left-handed pitcher in baseball. It comes off your foot differently. The ball spins the opposite way of every other kicker in football. And that's a reason why a lot of people fumble punts from, from, from Allen on the Patriots. It's like, how many people study that? Like, like do, you, do, do you, if you were Miami, the Jets, with the Dolphins, you're playing this guy twice a year. You have a rookie, a rookie returner. Would you bring 
in on your practice squad a left-footed punter to practice with this guy doing that? Because that's something that fucking Belichick would do. And and that's and that's the kind of uh, idiot savant, insane attention to detail that they do. So sorry, I got to take that call. What were you saying? <laughs> Hey, so, you're so, the one that said talk about this. Um, see, Biff, we talk about the Steelers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're such a dick. Uh, but yeah, so so um, that so the Patriots win. Um, nobody gets hurt. Pray, 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 pray. And now we got one game left against the uh, J E T S. Suck, suck, suck. <laughs> uh, on New Year's Eve. So you know, rocking Eve, sir. Yeah, exactly. Um, you want to do? Speaking of games, let's do a. The Christmas edition of the random video game review. Um, we may be retiring this bit. No, we're not. We're oh, darn. Maybe we're expanding it. Who knows? I'm actually, I don't even know what I'm... Usually, I, I got to look away. I was going to for a second. Right. It was a Christmas theme. No, I don't think there's a Christmas-themed one that I can think of. So Jacques pulled a classic, I'm sure, off of the <laughs> shelf. Wait, is there a such thing as an... Nintendo Entertainment System first generation game that isn't classic. Isn't it anything over twenty years is classic? Yeah, right. It's well, it's an antique. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a classic. So um, let's see. It's somewhere in the eyes. I'm gonna guess. Um, oh, maybe I could be in the J's. No, it's not Jack Nicholas Golf. It is uh, Jackal. No, it's not. I give up. Oh, I was thinking of this game, and I couldn't spit it out. Iron Sword. And unfortunately, you can't see on this cover, but that is a Fabio on that cover. Is it really? Yeah, it's Fabio on the that, cover. Oh, man. It's, a, it's, it's technically Wizards and Warriors 2 Iron Sword. And it looks like one of those Harlequin novel covers where Fabio graced uh, many, of, many of which in the 80s and 90s. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's looking ripped. This is a fun game. It's a little tedious at times, but it can be rewarding. You jump uh, around as a knight, and uh, it's a, it's a, it's a kind of a quirky platformer. You have to collect items, and you have to slay enemies with your sword, and you collect magic power ups, and you know what, whatever. It's a it's a fun game. It has a password system, so you don't have to you know spend three straight days beating it um you can come back to it at your at your uh, mom turned the system off. right exactly she kicked the uh, plug up by accident um it's a nice game and i have it and uh i've i've i conan on it right exactly like well that's i think that's what they were going for Co not conan o'brien conan <laughs> the barbarian that would be a completely i would play the game where conan's wielding a sword shirtless um get on that america Get on that, nerds. So now we're going to go to the Ultimate NES Guidebook by Pat Contry that Jacques loves so much. His boyfriend. So <laughs> uh, Iron Sword, Wizards and Warriors 2. This is written by somebody I'm not familiar with. Uh, in this sequel, the knight... Uh, sorry, two and a half stars. In the sequel, the knight Kuros is once again tasked with defeating Malkil, Mel who has returned in the form of the four major elements of wind, water, earth, and fire. Great band. <laughs> to do so, however, he must reassemble the fragments of the shattered iron sword guarded by each elemental. Snoring. <laughs> All right. And what do you think it's going for on the uh, on the interwebs? I'll say eight dollars. Uh, oh, damn it. It was uh, four. I just lost it. It was, no, was four eighty nine, but three bucks for shipping. There you so, go. So, you know, you were, you were right on the money. Exactly. As I'm always... So that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> so so this wraps our uh, our Christmas episode. Uh, thank you as always for listening. Thank you as always for sending us suggestions and and sharing the podcast and tweeting about it and Instagramming about. It. I don't know. Do we? No, I don't even know anybody who has Instagram. I do. Do you? Uh, yeah, a couple of friends on Facebook. Is Snapchat <laughs> is Snapchat still around? Snapchat is big. Is it? Yes. Yeah, I'm old. I know. <laughs> We're old men. We just playing with our NESs and. But I hopefully, hopefully uh, Santa and or Hanukkah Harry was great to uh... <laughs> to those of you out there listening to us in podcast land. Um, you have any re last requests uh, for you to continue to have a Merry Christmas as you, sir, and a Happy New Year, a happier 2018. It's got to get happier, right? It has to. 
It has to, right? Like mathematically, are we out of the playoffs? <laughs> like, if, <laughs> is 2017 knock us out of contention until 2020? Man, can I take a nap, <laughs> please? Oh my God! And um, Merry Christmas, everybody. And um, Jack, if you could do the honors. Do not forget. Everybody, and a happy new year.